So, dobrý večer. Good evening. It seems like pretty much everyone here, your people will be joining us uh, momentarily. Uh, my name is Przemysl I'm director of the Czech Center. It's a really pleasure to welcome so many of you in the continuations of the Czech Documentary Now series. And we'll continue with the film. Uh, of course, as you see here, a reconstruction of occupation. The film which is marking uh, the upcoming 55th uh, anniversary of the Russian-led uh, Warsaw Pact invasion to uh, former Czechoslovakia. I'm sure many of you have read the little synopsis or annotations of, of the film. But it's quite interesting, uh, directed by Jan Schickel. And the, the film and, and footage you are going to see here is UK uh, premiere. And most of the footage is the original never seen uh, before. Uh, there are about four, four, four hours of the film uh, recording uh, discovered a uh, couple of years ago, actually, given to, to young Chico. Uh, there was just the, the video films, no, uh, no uh, audio in it. And Jan put his mind in it. He wants to identify the people that he has seen on that. And the Czech television helped out, so they aired uh, the open call, uh, so people can identify themselves in that. And a number of people really came, came forward uh, to the director. And it really brought uh, new interviews based on the footage which was recorded was 55 years ago. Uh, it's gonna give a, I think, the perspective, what happened in 68, but also the perspective of the people that lived through it uh, and what they do recall in there. And I see many faces uh, here which might have lived through uh, the, the 68, they might recall the invasion, some of them might be born in 68, uh, but many faces probably uh, born much later, even after 89. So I think it will really uh, might refresh uh, your mind has a historical excourse uh, in that. I want to also like to say that the film premiered two years ago at the Karol Vivari International Film Festival and received the uh, the festival uh, behind borders uh, the history award uh, the, the main award uh, last year there. And in order to put the things a little bit in perspective and historical context, I'm very pleased that I can welcome here a professor from CIS, the School of Slavonic and Eastern European Studies from, from UCL, uh, Dr. Thomas Lerman, to share some of his perspective as he is an expert on the Central European history uh, to put the 68 in the context what we are going to see. So, Thomas. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, I feel somewhat unworthy to the task, obviously not having direct experience of 1968, and only trying to understand it from an outsider's perspective. And I think it's critical to remember that in some way what I can bring is a certain objectivity, but I lack or find it difficult to fully relate to the emotional trauma of 1968, which those who lived through it will not forget. Because what we're talking about in 1968 is a crime, a brutal invasion by the Soviet Union of a supposedly allied country 
in which the army came in to decide that an experiment should end. It was a Moscow decision, not in any way a decision made by the Czechoslovaks themselves. There had been a number of revolts against uh, the brutality of communist rule, Stalinist rule, in Central and Eastern Europe before this point. Uh, East Berlin in 1953, Poznan in 1956, Budapest quite famously in 1956, 12 days that shook the world. But what happened in 68, I think, had a critical impact. Because one could talk about those earlier revolts, and I've just highlighted a few. In fact, there was an element of resistance, rebellion, violent resistance going on in Poland, Romania, to some extent, across the block. Uh, but what happened in 68 was that good communists themselves, who were trying to reform the system, were brutally crushed. True, the invasion itself uh, was somewhat farcical. Botched would be the right word. An attempt was made to shut down all the radio broadcasts. They forgot that Radio Prague would keep on broadcasting. Uh, under gunpoint, the Central Committee was supposed to vote itself out of office. It refused. Alexander Dubček, the critical figure who'd driven the reforms, was supposed to resign. He was unwilling to do so. But farce and the relative lack of people who were killed shouldn't exclude essentially what happened, which is that the party in Czechoslovakia was trying to reform itself and it was blocked from doing so. And what happened in Czechoslovakia after 1968 was that whereas much of Western Europe and even parts of Central and Eastern Europe were going down the path of reform. In Czechoslovakia, the clock was literally turned back, in some sense, to a more brutal system, given the unpleasant term normalizatia, a sort of Orwellian phrase that concealed a multitude of brutalities. What's the larger story here? The larger story is that 1968 occurs within a remarkable moment in European history when popular movements across Europe are pressing for reform. It's taking place in Paris with student protests, it's taking place in Britain with a cultural transformation, and it's taking place in Czechoslovakia as well. And it's coming from the bottom and it's coming from the top. It's coming from politicians and it's coming from artists. It's coming from writers. It's coming from students. All excited about the idea of making a change. Dubček, a remarkable figure in his own right, remember that he spent his entire early years in the Soviet Union and was brought back there in the 1950s for special training. So he was by no means uh, an anti 
Soviet figure, Alexander Dubček, the leader of the Prague Spring, the man who the entire invasion on the 20th of August was intended to remove. Dubček had a vision of a better socialism, uh, a, a way that the political system could be improved. Socialism with a human face. He captured the world's attention. He appeared on Time magazine looking like Tintin. Um, he, people were excited about Dubček because he seemed to present the possibility that the darker era of Stalinist communism could be replaced across the region by a more progressive forms of, of communism that would lead perhaps for some kind of movement akin to social democracy. Dubček never got as far as multi-party elections, but he permitted a certain freedom of speech, uh, a cultural flourishing, uh, an amazing set of films which should be watched. Um, writers took the opportunity uh, on the front pages of the party newspapers to express the need for reform. And in some sense, when Dubček took over, he ushered in an era of honesty, where people could talk about things openly and criticise and admit mistakes and consider ways of making things better. And it sent a surge of excitement through Czechoslovakia and through the whole of Central and Eastern Europe to see the possibilities that reform could bring. Perhaps Czechoslovakia could show the path that other countries in Central and Eastern Europe and even the Soviet Union itself could follow. So the invasion, unexpected, middle of the night, paratroopers, tanks moving through streets, people waking up to go to work and finding that the tram lines had been blocked and demolished. Isn't just the shock of a moment when we understand that an invasion is taking place. That's brutal enough. Think of that moment, it's probably similar when you woke up last year to realize the news that the Russia had invaded Ukraine. Something like that. But it also meant the shock to those people who thought communism could be reformed, who believed that it was possible to reform it. And when the invasion happened, in the aftermath, 25% of the Communist Party membership in Western Europe resigned. Because they suddenly concluded, finally concluded, this is not reformable. This system cannot be reformed. If Czechoslovakia, with Dubček, a good committed communist, who spoke Russian better than he spoke Czech in his early life, couldn't reform the system, then what reform was possible?
And ultimately, that's the question that was asked in 68 and answered in 1989 when Central Europeans across the bloc decided when they next went onto the streets, this system cannot be reformed. It must, it must be removed. So here's my point. One, there's a direct line between 68 and 89. If you want to understand what happened in 1989 with the fall of communism, it's no bad thing to go back to 68. If you find that frustrating, because historians always like to tell you it's all about the past, think of it this way. It's about a crime. And it's a crime what happened to Ukraine last year, and it's a crime what happened to Czechoslovakia in 1968. And crimes deserve attention. People deserve to be looked at. If we can't remove the crime, we can at least recognise it. And finally, I think what we're really talking about in 68 is about the possibility of a better world and the way it's crushed by brutal force. That actually is a critical question that all of us have to struggle with uh, when we want to make the world better. How do we do it? And why so often do we get it wrong? And if we want to start looking for answers, I would say to just stop oil or all the rest. Go look at 68. You might find out why dreams died in Prague and the legacy of what happened afterwards. I think that's enough. Thank you very much.